0: Volume two chapter five of cats This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Cats The Points and Characteristics of Curiosities of Cat Life and a Chapter on Feline Ailments by W. Jordan Staples. Volume two Chapter 5. Cruelty to Cats I think it my duty to warn the reader this is essentially a chapter of horrors so that if her or his feelings do not tend in that direction it may be skipped if it pains anyone to read it it must be remembered that it was much more painful to me to write it and only the hope of enlisting the sympathy of the kind-hearted and benevolent in pussy's favour could have induced me to do so how far i have been successful time will tell indeed i believe the day is not far distant when it will become the fashion nay even a portion of our religion to treat all animals from the dog downwards with kindness and consideration and when necessity determines life to be taken to take it in the least cruel and most humane manner possible a good and noble work has been begun by the royal society for prevention of cruelty to animals all honor to it and success to its organ the animal world the field is indeed a wide one and one can scarcely help feeling almost despairingly as he looks abroad upon the world and sees the vast amount of cruelty there is to suppress but stone by stone old rome was built and as the good work advances the laborers will increase and success in the end is certain as the case now stands i think the assistance of the by precept and of the great and rich by example is sadly wanted to support the cause The efforts of the society are at present more particularly directed to obtaining convictions against offenders for ill-treating overloading or torturing horses and donkeys, for improperly conveying and starving cattle, calves, pigs and goats, for cruelties to birds and for ill-using dogs and cats. Alas, poor pussy comes last and least. But as the world advances in civilization and becomes more humane, new laws will have to be framed and hence the great ocean of cruelty the waves of which we see tumbling and breaking around us every day and making us apathetic because of the very number and our own inability to oppose them why should horses be for ever worked to death or till death why should their labours and hardships be increased with their increasing years and infirmities we care for and love them when young and handsome when they grow old we forget their former services ill-treat and starve them and finally fresh them into the necker's yard why should donkeys those patient much-enduring animals be all their poor lives treated with such systematic brutality why should cattle of all sorts be driven to the markets or conveyed by the rail or steamboat for long dreary journeys without either food or water why should they be slaughtered with so little regard to their sufferings when the sting of death could be so easily drawn ere the fatal blow was struck why should turkeys fowls geese and ducks be carried to market with feet tied and hung over poles head downwards or huddled together in cramped baskets and kept sometimes in such pain and suffering that death itself must be sweet relief why should pigeons and other smaller birds be shot in so cowardly and inhumane a manner as is the fashion that matches in the present day cock-fighting itself is much less cruel for there each bird has a chance of life and the wounded are slain for the numerous cruelties inflicted on fishes we can hardly name a remedy yet but has the reader ever thought of the agony which must be endured by the lobster and crab in being boiled alive all these outrages on animal life might be prevented or greatly ameliorated by just and proper laws england i trust will be the first to take the lead in this matter and depend upon it that nation's arm will always be the strongest on the day of battle that in the time of peace is employed in labors of love and the advancement of civilization and humanity the mohammedans are far before us in kindness to the lower animals a curse be he who spilleth blood is one of their sayings now the hindus for instance are a much older nation than we are they were clothed and in their right minds thousands of years before we were out of pigskin kilts and paint we are trying to learn from theory what they have found out from long experience and will no doubt arrive at the same conclusion after the loss of much valuable time i know a gentleman who puts faith in no statement in the abstract even if the speaker should be as old as methuselah which isn't often the case and as wise as ahab until he has carefully ground, as it were the syllogism in his own mill thoroughly sifted it and microscopically examined it then he looks surprised smiles and says by george Old thinggummy was right after all. He can't help it, however. It is the result of a too liberal education. He is constantly grinding away at a proverb. Now I think proverbs are the pith of a nation's experience. The wisdom of a country is skimmed off, boiled, and evaporated to dryness, burnt to get rid of organic impurities, and the residue washed and distilled, and essential oil bottled in a proverb. But my learned friend, and first hearing one says, "Oh nonsense! Can't be." the proverb haunts him however both by night and day for perhaps a fortnight perhaps longer until it is properly thought out in all its bearings then he believes it not before he would save much time by having a little more credulity. but he is getting wise and if he lives long enough he will be very wise indeed although the process may cost him his teeth he is bald already the hindus have long ago come to the conclusion that it is wrong to take life and accordingly they don't bearing that they murder their wives when it is required i think they are right although i myself draw the line at naval cockroaches and the fact that they are disagreeable things to kill may have something to do with my sparing them besides a cockroach has so many relations and is all come to his funeral and insists on seeing him decently interred this ceremony they perform by tasting tasting at him until nothing remains i was one day counting my pieces to my indian washerman on the deck of my cabin when out from the bosom of a nightshirt, dropped a nine-inch long centipede in the full vigour of health and intellect and began making the best of his way to the nearest shelter giving instant chase and having an advantage in length of legs if not in number i should soon have run him down had not the impudent Hindu, at the very last moment pulled me back by my frock coat-tails such an indignity to a British officer on board a British man-o'-war was hardly to be borne with impunity. I turned, and looking him full in the face, in my most impressive manner, "'Sir,' said I, "'are you aware that Britons never, never, never will be slaves?' The dubees alarmed. "'Then,' continued I, "'what have you got to say that I should not punch your head or kick your rascally shins for conniving at the escape of yonder centipede?' has just gained his crevice and is even now making faces at me with impunity the dobby drew himself up sahib said he you can kick in my head you can punch in my shin all same allah is good and the koran say thou shalt not kill thou shalt not kill repeated i why the man must have learned the shorter catechism he can't be such a heathen after all the dobby triumphed i shook him by the hand and he had my washing ever after Entered my servant one day i was living in a room on shore at bombay men come for your little ones sahib said he pandu said i in a solemn voice what do you mean i am a respectable unmarried man and never deserved any the man who entered behind pandu carried a shovel a brush and a basket and i soon discovered that my little ones meant all the earwigs bugs centipedes and crickets of which i had a fair sprinkling of each sort and he came not to destroy but actually to carry them away he swept my room and bed moderately clean and i afterwards found that he had taken the contents of the basket to the corner of a field and emptied them among some straw for no true buddhist takes life and when cows and horses get infirm they are regularly superannuated and sent to an asylum where they may end their days in peace the scenes of cruelty to the lower animals which one witnesses in the streets and lanes of our own country are almost enough to make one doubt the goodness of god in many cases a person at all sensitive cannot refrain from interfering and unless he can show some proper authority for doing so he will in most cases come off second best and do harm in the very victim he meant to protect i have often constituted myself a sort of knight-errant to distressed quadrupedes and i flatter myself i have at times done some good either by going quietly up to the perpetrator of the cruelty and trying to reason with him or with a pretended show of authority demanding his name and address a man of this sort is always a coward and usually funks at once i once had my nose broken though in a row with a butcher about ill-treating a cow that brought my knight-erranty to a bloody close for a fortnight but thanks to good surgery the organ is none the worse last february while walking in a lane in the neighbourhood of a rural village I met a fellow certainly the most brutal lad ever i saw driving or rather pushing along two unhappy sheep the creatures had walked a very long distance and appeared completely exhausted for the wind was very high and the cold rain and sleet were beating in their faces and stupefying them besides the scoundrel had been striking them with a strong blackthorn cane and as he dared not touch them about the body for fear of injuring the appearance of the mutton for mutton they soon would be. It was across the forehead and nose he hit them, so the blood was trickling down in streams. And as they shook their heads with pain, their pretty fleeces were all besmeared. Or oh, the amount of misery depicted in their poor patient eyes, the very dogs seemed ashamed of their master's conduct. It's to be killed. They are to be, at any rate," said the fellow when I remonstrated with him on his conduct. "And curse them!" he cried. "I'll make them go." And again the blows began to fall the sheep moaned low and i closed with my friend a vicious tassel and a stick flew over the hatch then the loud flew at me he hit my fist at a tremendous blow with his lower jaw the result of which was that he immediately took the world on his back like old atlas he took the world on his back several times before i seemed tired of it then i gave him to understand that by way of recompense for knocking him down i should at once find a policeman to take him up unless he immediately accompanied me to a neighbouring killing-house to get a butcher to slaughter the sheep he reluctantly consented and the sorrows of those two dumb creatures soon came to an end about the commonest if not the simplest form of cruelty to poor pussy is that of neglecting to feed her regularly and at the proper times many people are guilty of this who would not willingly do an unkind action they err through ignorance or want of thought pussy they imagine can easily pick up all she needs about the floor there could hardly be a greater mistake or one more fatal to pass existence as a pet for the mere fact of her having to look out for her own food will make her dishonest others starve their cats to make them catch mice the very opposite is the case it is your plump well-fed sleek grimmelkins that are the best mouses a starveling has not courage nor heart enough to kill a midge, let alone a mouse high in the scale of cruelty is the only too common practice of leaving pussy at home to shift for herself when the family moves to the seaside or country in holiday season in some instances the cat has access to and from the house by some private door of her own in this case she will generally manage to eke out a miserable existence from the scraps she picks up on the dunghill or she will become a thief and make raids on the pigeon-houses or rabbit boxes of the neighbours at all events she is usually successful in sustaining her life until the return of the family but it is very different with passy when she is entirely imprisoned in an empty house without either food or water save perhaps an occasional mouse which chance may throw in her way i know of one unhappy cat that lived for three whole weeks on dry oatmeal alone another instance i can just recall to memory and i am sorry to say it is only one of many thousands that are happening every day in this case the family had gone to the country for a month leaving tabby as affectionate a little cat as ever lived and a constant pet and playmate of the young children shut up in the house the building was a new one there were consequently no mice so when the family at length returned almost the first thing that met their gaze was poor tabby lying stark and stiff on the parlour hearth she was a perfect skeleton while the sardonic grin on her mouth showed how much she must have suffered such a death in that lonely house almost makes one's flesh creep to think of a still more shocking case of cruelty recently came to my knowledge which shows very forcibly how dreadful must be the sufferings of a starving cat and how great the sin of those who leave them thus to perish in one of the principal squares of the city of edinburgh lives mrs blank and a lady who can carry a high hat in the best society of which the scottish metropolis can boast she subscribes to all the charities and feeds and clothes the poor daily of course she is only lending to the lord and expects the principal returned on or after the day of judgment with very good interest but that is neither here nor there this lady had a cat a very fine one too on which she lavished an unusual amount of affection and this affection was amply reciprocated for pussy cared for no one in the house but her mistress but in process of time Jenny had the exceedingly bad taste to give birth to two pretty little kittens, and of course could not spare so much time as usual on her mistress's lap. So when the family had packed up and were about to move into the country for the holiday, this lady gave the order to have that horrid, tiresome old cat and kittens shut up in the house until her return. Pussy was shut up accordingly for a whole fortnight after the people in the adjoining house were disturbed by melancholy cries proceeding from the empty house and at last unable to endure it any longer the assistance of the police was called and an entrance effected through a back window a most horrible sight met their view poor pussy thin even to emaciation lay upon her bed in the corner nursing the heads of her two kittens she had eaten their bodies fancy the sufferings that must have triumphed over her motherly love not only however had she eaten the kittens but rendered wild with the pangs of hunger she had actually torn from her own thigh a large piece of flesh and devoured it it is a wonderful instance of the tenacity of life in cats that this pussy by careful nursing made a good recovery she took up house with her kind preservers but never afterwards darkened the door of a cruel lady mistress the sagacity of the cat is very often beautifully shown in the means she takes to provide for herself food and shelter in the absence of her owners on these occasions Pussy has often been known to become a beggar from door to door for example one morning early a workman mr d stoddard ninety two rose street edinburgh on going to his work observed a large black cat trotting on before him with tail erect and evidently on the best of terms with herself her good humour however must have been simulated for the occasion for she was very hungry indeed presently she stopped and looking earnestly in the man's face all the happiness seemed at once to forsake her and she mewed in a most pitiful manner the good-hearted fellow at once opened his little napkin and gave Pussy part of his dinner he was rather surprised next morning to meet the puss exactly at the same time and place in fact the cat had adopted the workingman in a small way and every morning regularly for six months it met him and gratefully received his breakfast after this it used to walk along with him for some distance singing a little song to him the while then took a departure one day however Passy was missed and it was a long time before anything else was heard of her some months after in passing a gentleman's gate in a different part of the town who should come out to bid him welcome but his quondam friend and companion the cat she was sleek and fat and apparently happy as the sunshine on making inquiries it afterwards transpired that during the six months that Passy used to meet the workingman the family were on the continent so common a thing cruelty towards the feline race become that one can hardly take a walk along the streets or into the country without seeing the mangled body of some poor puss which has been stoned beaten to death or worried by dogs more than likely in the open light of day indeed a cat's foes are so very numerous that the only wonder is how she escapes with her life so often instead of nine lives it would i think be more convenient for her to have ninety and nine most common among pusses Numerous enemies may be mentioned firstly gamekeepers it must certainly be very annoying to keepers to have cats prowling indiscriminately among the preserves destroying eggs birds rabbits and game of every description but after all the amount of injury done must be comparatively small whereas the cruelties practised on pussy by these men are at times quite revolting to kill a cat by shooting her may under some circumstances be deemed justifiable but to wilfully lay traps for its destruction in which the poor thing may linger for days before death ends its misery is surely far from humane even after pussy is relieved from the trap it is in most cases only to have her brains dashed out against the nearest tree or to have her tail cut off and her body left to die on the ground secondly street boys seldom can a boy see a cat anywhere on the street or at large without lifting the nearest stone to shield her and not boys only but even grown-up men have i heard boasting of their vile exploits in cat-killing thirdly men with dogs the only way i like to see a cat said a gentleman to me the other day is with a dog at her heels and i am sorry to say such sentiments are far from unfrequent i know indeed it is an unusual thing for young men to go out of an evening with dogs generally bull and terriers for the express purpose of slipping them at the first cat the chance throws in their way. In these cases, any hope of escaping with her life is for the poor cat very small indeed, unless under very exceptional circumstances. The other day a friend of mine, who isn't very soft hearted, was taking a walk in the suburbs of Manchester with a bull terrier dog and a bitch of the same breed, both champion prize takers, by the way. A cat was started, and passing made directly for the door of a master's house. Both the back and front doors were open the cat darted in by the back closely followed by the dog while as if to cut off all chance of escape the bitch rushed round and entered by the front the family were just at breakfast when pussy sprang on a table attacked simultaneously in front and rear by her canine foes they literally tore her in two across the table and before her owner's eyes of course the damage done to the crockery was something very considerable and my friend had to pay five guineas to hush the matter up and serve you right I remarked when he told me and fourthly catskin collectors in nearly every large town in the kingdom there actually exist parties who make a living by buying cats for the sake of their hides they of course have to pay a pretty large price for a good skin and this in its turn gives rise to another branch of industry namely cat hunting the cat hunter is low in the social scale and much more cruel and hardened than even the bird catcher the occupation seems to be thoroughly demoralizing and its followers live in the most squalid dance and in famous purlieus of the city leading an idle dissipated life and if not dead of disease before the age of twenty-five it is because a grateful country has provided them with board and lodging free at stony portland or muddy chatham chance took me not long since to a beautiful rural district in one of the southern countries of ireland paddy taffy as he was called from as he himself expressed it his mother being a welshman and his father irish was a farmer's lad and used to bring me the most beautiful buttermilk and the freshest of duck eggs every morning as certain as sunrise he was just the right boy in the right place he knew every rock and bog and coral in the parish besides all the most frequented rabbit hills and the pools where the fish were never shy he was always catering for fun for me and was never so happy as when he had found me a new pleasure well one day paddy taffy comes to me with the eggs and buttermilk as usual and grinning like a crampus ah oh, sir says he but it's a rare bit of fun your honour will be having this blessed morning if you'll only be after coming to the river with taffy and i will dat paddy says i for i would nothing better to do i'll go home first though says he and i'll meet you at the side of the stream a walk of two miles over the hills took me to the place of appointment I forgot to say that Paddy was never unaccompanied by two dogs: one a very decent, well-bred water spaniel, the other a funny-looking, frolicsome, imp of a collie. On this day, when I met him, he had the dogs as usual, and moreover, what in all the world should be carrying under his arm but a butter buttertop? Before I had time to inquire the use of the singular utensil, singular under the circumstances, "It's meself," said Patty. "That's glad you've come." And by the same token, yonder come the boys with the cat. On looking round, sure enough, there were three more boys. Of course, boys is a mere figure of speech. They were all, including Paddy himself, grown-up men, with three more dogs, one of which, a large white and black Newfoundland, carried the basket in his teeth. Suspecting that some scene of mischief or cruelty was to be enacted, I asked Paddy to tell me, right straight away, what the game was to be. Sure, your honour, said he, it's only this. We put the cat in the tub. And floated down the stream, and sent the dogs ahint her. It was in vain that I tried to persuade Paddy to give up a scheme which seemed to me little short of diabolical. For I fully expected to see poor Pussy torn limb from limb in the water. But his reasoning was something after the following fashion: If it's the dogs you're afraid of, sir, sure enough they'll deserve all they'll get and more. If it's the cat, then you needn't be afraid at all. She's been three times at it before. Och, she's the raw tearing blood and wounding captain of the butterboat. besides she has kittens at home and that makes her the devil himself sure moreover sir here he lowered his voice the boys is ugly boys and they've ugly bits of timber below their flippers and they wouldn't let us spoil the sport for the dear life itself so making a virtue of necessity i stopped to see the fun and fair play the river here was broad and still and deep the basket was taken from the newfoundland and all the dogs were led out of sight behind an adjoining hillock. Then the cat, a wild-looking tortoise shell, was taken out, placed in a tub, and the tub shoved well off into the stream. Away went Puss with the current, whirling round and round in her awkward boat and looking anything but happy, for she evidently knew all about it. Then a the shout from the boys, and down rushed the dogs, helter the skelter, taking the water in grand style. The spaniel first, the Newfoundland following springing right on top of the foremost dog and sinking him by way of a lark. all swam to the tub, which was still whirling slowly down the stream, but Paz was all ready and stood by cleverly to repel boarders, evidently determined to sell a nine lives dearly. The spaniel was the first to place a paw on the tub, and his nose was at once laid open in consequence. The collie followed suit and sank small immediately after. The other dogs had no better success, for each in his turn and sometimes two at a time were wounded and had to haul off and lie to tableau four defeated curs paddling harmlessly round the tub barking futilely pass erect and frizzly with one paw impressively uplifted growling defiance at the lot all this time the big newfoundland had been swimming about taking apparently no notice of the unequal contest now however he seemed to think the state of affairs justified his interference in order to uphold the prestige of the canine race poor dog he at least had no intention of killing the cat but only thought of hauling her tub and all safely shore. with his kind intention and in a thoroughly businesslike manner only to be seen in dogs of his class he paddled directly up to the vessel and seizing it by the rim almost lifted it out of the water as he put about with tail hard port to swim to land sharp and condign was the punishment captain puss administered to the dog's nose for his unasked for aid nelson dropped the tub like a red-hot shot with a howl of injured innocence wheeled round and set out for land in disgust but puss had no idea of letting him off like this for the vessel rather leaky at the best had been filling for some time and was fast settling down and Pussy saw at a glance it must be abandoned then what better refuge than to make a lifeboat of that newfoundland's head and shoulders It just seemed cut out for it so she didn't think twice about it but at once made the spring if poor nelson swam quick before he now seemed to cleave the water like a new-born steamboat pussy however had no intention of letting him land with her being doubtful as to the consequences accordingly when only a few feet more of water had to be passed with one good parting kick she sprang nimbly to bank and made off for the woods as fast as her four legs could carry her the dogs all looked very foolish and presently like true paddies they all fell foul of each other and fought in the water and out of the water to their heart's content on the whole I think Pussy had the best of it. End of Volume two Chapter five. Recording by Yulinmeyer